0: Welcome to episode 51 with marathoner, writer, published author, and another mother runner, Dimity McDowell. Welcome back to the pod, everyone. I'm doing something very uncomfortable for me today. I'm interviewing someone about a topic that I know very little about, issues that face women when it comes to their running. Since I'm not a woman, hopefully this is clear by now, I not only don't really think about this topic as often, but I have absolutely zero experience dealing with it myself. But that doesn't mean it's not important, and the whole goal of this podcast is to give you actionable strategies to improve your running. Now, if I can't do that, then I'm going to bring in somebody who can. My guest is Dimity McDowell. She's the co-founder of AnotherMotherRunner.com, a place where women runners can get together and have a community that supports one another and offers an environment where women can talk about their running. And she has been a runner herself for decades. She coaches, she writes about running for ESPN, Runner's World, Women's Running, pretty much everywhere. And she's also a three-time published author. Her books include Run Like a Mother, Train Like a Mother, and Tales from Another Mother Runner. In this conversation, we're going to talk about the many diverse topics that are more relevant to women than men. But no matter who you are, you're going to find a few golden nuggets here that you can use to plan your training more effectively or simply support your partner as they go after a big running goal. Now, I should add, this isn't the entire interview. The full uncut version is available to any and all current Team Strength Running members. Team Strength Running is how members of our community can get regular, ongoing access to me as their coach affordably. I firmly believe every runner who wants to get better, should be able to have access to a coach to get a sound training plan that makes sense. And that's actually more rare than I thought when I took a look at a lot of the plans you can download online. But it's not just about the training. It's coaching. It's getting your questions answered when you have them. It's about getting clarity when you're confused so you can waste less time on indecision and spend more energy on your actual running. And it's about being part of a team, something bigger than you a place where you can share your running stories or get motivation or support from other runners just like you. So today, I invite you to learn more about the team at strengthrunning.com TSR. That TSR stands for Team Strength Running, in case you're curious. I'm very clever. And we'll be opening the doors to new members very soon. So sign up and you'll be the first to know when we next open. Okay, we're going to dive into this interview. Please enjoy my conversation with Ms. Dimity McDowell. I kind of wanted to bring you on to talk more about some of the women's issues that are in the running space, you know, because I'm clearly not the best person to talk about that. There's a lot of women in my audience. Uh, I don't really think I cater too much to to men or women, a a bigger crowd of both. So uh, this is a conversation I've been wanting to have for a while.
1: Okay, great. Happy to do it.
0: So first of all, thanks for being here. I'm looking forward to this. And uh, let's start with a confession. I just realized that you lived in Denver about forty-five minutes <laughs> ago, so <laughs> you know we should what? probably That's be what? having this conversation over coffee.
1: I I agree. That's so funny, Jason, because I when I don't know why for some reason I had you in California. You seem like a California guy. So yeah, I'm in Denver.
0: That's funny. I'm I grew up on the East Coast outside of Boston. I'm literally the opposite of a California guy. So maybe <laughs> I'm giving off that Cali vibe.
1: You probably are. It's, it's the running thing, right? You know, it's the endurance athlete thing.
0: Yeah, it must be. So. Uh, you know, you've created a really fantastic resource for women runners at another and you know, if it's not yet clear, I'm not a woman, I'm probably not the best person to talk about women's issues in running, but that's not to say it's not an important topic. So I'm excited to explore this with you and uh, maybe you can start by talking about how another mother runner has addressed some of the more unique needs of, of women in the sport of running.
1: Um well you know so i mean i definitely feel like runners are runners right and there you know there are differences obviously between men and women but um for the most part you know all the training issues and all the um i guess it's mostly training it applies to both both sexes right um where it gets harder with women um and especially moms or people who have well there's there's moms who have given birth themselves and then there's moms who either, you know, came into to being a mother through adoption or another way that they didn't carry the baby themselves. So the p- moms who gave birth themselves, it's a physical thing, right? Because your body fundamentally changes when you go through pregnancy. And that mostly manifests itself in running with your hips um, and your hip strength and your hip alignment. And as you all know, or as you know, Jason, for sure, like that is... Your balance and your um, alignment of your hips and your strength in your hips, you know, is probably contributes to what 95% of running injuries?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's if a huge happens. contributor. The hip muscle is one of the main kind of power drivers of the running stride. So if you have hip dysfunction, uh, that might be the reason why you're getting pain in your ankle, for example. So it has really these far reaching consequences.
1: Yeah. And um, I mean, I'm not an OBGYN or even physical therapist, but I mean, you know, things just change. Your body um, secretes a hormone called relaxin. So that allows your pelvis to um, split a little bit and your joints to loosen up so that you can give birth. And that stays in your body um, until I believe you're done breastfeeding. Um, So that's another thing that comes up, you know, where you go out and you're, you know, running three months postpartum and all of a sudden you step off, a sidewalk and you turn your ankle really badly and it's a beast of a sprain because your joints are not as stable as they used to be. And the other thing going back to the hips is like, okay, you give birth and then what do you do? You carry around a child on your hip, probably, you know, as you stir the pasta, answer your phone, carry them through the grocery store, whatever. And it's usually, you know, you're carrying it on your I carried my kids. On my left hip because I'm a right-handed person, and a lot of my injury issues manifested themselves on my left side, um, and I'm not surprised that that happened. So there's that. I mean, that's really more for a, a physical therapist to to dive into deeper. Um, but you know, when we work with people in the train like a mother club, which is a as a virtual training club that we have, we recommend strongly that they go see a physical therapist first and just have their hip and their glute strength uh, evaluated to make sure that that they have um, exercises and protocol in place to build that up because it's, if you build up your mileage without thinking about your glute strength and your hip alignment and strength, you're going to get injured. I mean, it's just, I've seen it happen 10,000 times. And the other thing is your, um, I think it's the alignment of your sacrum, if that's balanced, but again... It's, it, you know, go to somebody who's going to give you a thorough, thorough assessment um, and tell them you just want to be evaluated from head to toe. I was
0: just going to yeah. mention, oh. my wife and I had our third child last fall. And oh, wow. you know, so this That's is, great. yeah, thank you. This is certainly something that my wife is dealing with right now. Uh, she's a runner as well. That's how we met uh, as cross-country athletes in college. And, you know, now that we're on our third kid, you know, she's definitely experiencing this uh, phenomenon of the kind of tendons just being looser and not as as springy. And that's really the opposite, I think, of what runners want in a really efficient, economical stride. And so it does, I think, not only lend itself to poorer performances. So I think you should just be careful and adjust your expectations a little bit. But it increases your injury risk. You know, like everything you just mentioned about the hips. I mean, as a running coach, I'm sitting here like, oh, that's terrible. You know, we have to be really careful with things like that. So You know, from a from from my perspective, just as like a guy who loves training, I'm the I'm the training coach. I just love talking about training. And for me, it's the injury risk of this time period in a woman's life that is almost scary to me. And I think, yeah, women runners who are getting back into running after having a baby should. Really, really emphasize prevention in their training. Like one of their top goals should probably be you know, no matter what I'm kind of working towards, my number one goal really is to get through it healthy and safely.
1: Exactly. But it's hard because the other thing that comes up is time management, right? And all of a sudden, especially when you have your first kid, you go from being a free agent to a schedule dictated by this little, tiny little thing that, you know, <laughs> suddenly has complete control over your life. And that doesn't really change even, you know, I mean, I have a 14 year old and 11 an year old now and it's a different kind of control, but it, it's still, it's a ton of driving now, right? Um, and so all of a sudden you have these pockets of time where you want to go exercise, right? You want to go and get your run, but it's 45 minutes, right? And what's the thing that's going to feel the best? A 45 minute run. Right. That's I mean, that's just, you know, that's that is, you know, it releases, um, you know, gets your endorphins going, gets your blood pumping. It gets you feeling good. It gets you out in the fresh air. It makes you feel like you're alive again. I mean, all the things that we know that running brings to us, you know, mentally, physically, spiritually is that's what moms need the most. Um, so that what you're talking about, you know, emphasizing prevention is really unsexy and really Um, hard to fit in sometimes when you're like, oh, now I'm going to, instead of going for a 45 minute run, I'm going to go for a 20 minute run and then come back and spend 25 minutes, you know, staring at the Legos under the couch while I do my clamshells and planks, like Mm. not, not as fun, right? It doesn't have quite the same patina to it. So I think just taking into account, you know, making a plan and making sure that you You don't have to do it all in one stretch. Doing 10 minutes a day, you know, for six days a week goes a lot farther than neglecting it totally or trying to like cram it all in into one session.
0: One of the reasons why I love recommending 10 to 15 minute core runner specific core strength work is because you can fit it in, in these really short blocks of time. And it's not like you have to go to the gym and need all this fancy equipment. And, uh, you know, it's like a 45, 60 minute workout. You know, these routines can be done really quickly. Uh, Demi, how do we make injury prevention sexier so that (laughs) people will actually adhere to some of these things that we're talking about?
1: Well, I mean, honestly, and this sounds dramatic, but it takes getting really, really hurt to realize how important it is, right? Because I think, and um, again, this is just my experience from watching a bunch of women runners coming through our clubs and talking to them over many, many, many years. But, you know, oh, you have plantar fasciitis. Oh, well, I stopped running for two weeks and then it got better. Um, And then I trained for a half marathon and it got worse. And so then I took three weeks off and it got better. And then finally, um, you go train for a marathon and you are completely hobbled in the middle of your 18-week plan and you can't even get down the stairs without crying. Um, All of a sudden, then you're like, oh, gosh, I I guess I should have really paid more attention to this before I started my marathon training cycle. And I think it takes that, you know, getting kind of pushed over the edge to realize how, how far you have to come back and take care of yourself. I've seen that happen. But then it's a maintenance, right? And, um, you know, all I can say is that it's important. And if you can give yourself, you know, whether you make a little chart, or you do it during the commercials of a show you love, or um, you just eventually you come to this point where you're like, I have to make this a priority, or I'm not going to be able to run anymore.
0: Oh, that's exactly what happened to me, too. I think that's universal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, I'm in right now in a spot where I basically last year, I ran like less than 50 miles total. I have had a ton of problems with my back and my um, right hamstring. And, you know, finally, I got to the point where the doctor was like, I just think you need to consider not running anymore. And at that point, I was stronger than i would ever been in my life, because I was so scared of losing it that I went after those clamshells and the planks and the glute bridges and all that stuff with such tenacity that I, I've never done that before in being, you know, 25 years a runner. Um, so again, like that's, I mean, it comes a little bit, my answer comes a little bit from personal experience there.
0: No, I think that's valuable just because I think anyone who has 25 years of running experience uh, has been through a lot.
1: Yes, well, and between me and my business partner, Sarah Bowen Shea, you know, I she can count probably on one hand the number of injuries she's had and I, <laughs> I need my hands and my toes and my feet and, you know, probably a couple more limbs. So <laughs> I'm the more injury prone of the two of us.
0: Now what are what are some of the other more women specific issues or problems or needs That we haven't discussed I know we talked a lot about uh, women who have just had a baby but what what about for those runners who haven't just had a baby or maybe they're thinking about having a baby just other groups of of women do they have any kind of uh, unique demands or needs that that coaches like me should keep in mind
1: um certainly so again there's kind of two there's a physical and then there's kind of the logistical part so the physical part It's again, more thinking about people who have given birth. Um, We have a thing on our Facebook page, which is another mother runner on Facebook, uh, TMI Tuesday, too much information Tuesday. And it's become one of the highlights of our Facebook page. And, um, It covers everything from, I mean, leaking is huge. Leaking urine, um, when you're running, when you're doing, um, you know, jumping jacks, whatever it is, that is basically a fact of life for many women. Um, We talk a lot about going to a pelvic floor physical therapist. Um, Some people don't even know that they exist I've never been to one so i'm not really qualified to speak about one but i know that that is becoming more and more important and there are like classes now that address your pelvic floor group classes and things like that and then other things that come with obviously having a chest i mean that is it sounds so 101 but having a large chest having a d cup or bigger or even a c cup or bigger that is a significant amount of weight that you're carrying around on your upper half um, and you know, making sure you have the right support in a sports bra, making sure you don't chafe, um, making sure that your posture stays strong when you get towards the end of a longer or harder run. I mean, God bless women who are um, well endowed that continue to run because I think it is, it's not talked about a lot and I think that they deserve their own medal (laughs) personally. It's a significant amount of weight and it's a significant burden um, to carry when running comes around
0: yeah it certainly sounds like it i uh can't speak from experience on that one,
1: yeah no, and I can't either i mean i have a I have a smaller chest, but you know, having done i mean I used to do the, the sports bra reviews for runners world um a few years ago, and you know, and so we would send out these bras to testers, and you know people are like a and b cup they're like, oh, this is cute, I love the fabric, I love the print, like yeah, it supported me, and you get to like the D, the double D's, the E's, the F's. And they are so grateful when they got to get a bra that supported them correctly. And, you know, my, my little bit of advice here is to, um, you know, go to a running specialty store or somewhere that has a really great selection of, of sports bras beyond, you know, your typical champion slash Nikes and try a bunch on and then jump around the fitting room. You know, jump around, pretend like you're running, stretch your arms over your heads. Because if it's not comfortable there, it's not going to be comfortable, you know, at mile eight of a long run. But you really want to feel supported and, and locked and loaded, as we like to say.
0: Yeah. Well, can you, are there any things that women should look for in a sports bra who might be more well endowed in that area? Uh, you know, just not, not just feel better, but are actually going to help you when you're out running?
1: Sure, sure. Um, this is just basic stuff that um, I know from from testing the sports bras, but you need to get measured first. Um, most people, you know, got measured when they, you know, got their first bra and <laughs> haven't really since. Um, and again, your body changes with pregnancy. And then if you were nursing your kid and stuff like that. So um, so just make sure that you've got somebody helping you. Um, the shoulders should feel like, you know, they're not digging in too much. There's a lot of bras now that have a little bit of padding over the shoulders. That feels good. Typically, you want to have at least three. If you have a, a bigger chest, you want to have three like hook and eye closures Um, there's one brand of sports bra that called the Enel, E-N-E-L-L, that literally it is hook and eye closures all the way down the front. Um, and again, it's not for everybody because not all of us need that kind of support, but if you need it, you know, it is worth those five minutes it takes to get that bra on because people just feel so confident. And so, you know, the, the, the range of motion is so, um, minimized with that. Um, I'm trying to think about other things. I mean, the biggest thing, you know, especially, Most of us, if you're a smaller chest, like you hold on to sports bras forever and that's typically okay. But, um, you know, sports bra pretty much has a life of a year max if you are, you know, stretching it out and really um, using the support. So, you know, every once in a while, just kind of give yourself a little check on when you bought your last sports bra and it might be time for a new one.
0: (laughs) Well, it sounds basic, but it's not basic to people like me. Um, No, it's not. Now, do you you see any examples out there of either male runners, but more specifically male coaches who uh, aren't being responsive to any one of the myriad kind of issues that we've talked about so far during this conversation and maybe offer any advice to coaches, you know, guy coaches like me who, through no fault of their own, just might not be complete, as sensitive as they should be to any of these issues.
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, what I would probably do if I were a coach and I'm looking to coach a female athlete, I would really have a super comprehensive conversation before we started and just say, these are the things that, you know, will be helpful to me if you can tell me, like when you're going to start your period or when you're PMSing, when your cycle ends, because that has quite an effect on your performance. And again, uh, it depends upon what this athlete is looking for. Maybe they're just looking for accountability and maybe not be that big of a deal, but if they're looking to qualify for Boston or, you know, finish their first ultra or do something that's pretty ambitious, that kind of thing comes into play for sure. Um, I would also have them, you know, just say, are you comfortable telling me about that? And if not, maybe, you know, maybe that we're not a good fit Um, just because, and, and the coach should then be able to explain why it's important for him to know that, right? Again, I think that coach should ask for sure for, you know, either if they can't get to a physical therapist, I mean, sometimes people live in remote areas or have schedules that are just too crazy, but having a physical therapist kind of on call, somebody who knows your body, so that when something twinges, when your hip twinges or your IT band hurts, you can go to that person. You don't have to wait three weeks to get in and you have a place to go where they're like, oh, well, you know, last time we looked at your feet, let's make sure your feet are okay. And now we're going to go look at this. But that's pretty much for all runners. The other thing that I would say about female athletes, and especially moms, um, because that's my specialty, is prioritizing their workouts. And, you know, stereotypes or cliches are there for a reason, um, because more people fit the mold than don't. And um, women are really good at putting themselves at number 15 on their to-do list or number 50 on their to-do list. And so... Um, Making sure that your athlete has time, has scheduled out time, whether it's, you know, we find obviously first thing in the morning seems to be easiest for a lot of people, easiest in air quotes, It's maybe not easiest physically, but easiest schedule-wise to get in their workouts. Um, But making sure, like, if they've missed two or three and because it's a crazy busy week, you know, checking in and saying – listen, um, I'm seeing that you're having a tough time getting your workouts. Can we make a plan for the rest of this week or something like that where, you know, they know that you have their back. Um, because sometimes it just takes a little bit of a nudge to, to be accountable. Um, even though obviously they hired the coach to help them be accountable and guide them. I see it all the time. You know, we, we try to do too much. Uh, we think multitasking is effective and it's, you know, typically not. And I fall into this category as well. And, um, you know, just saying, you know, you're hiring me and I expect you, um, you know, that if you want the results that we're talking about, you know, you need to complete the workouts um, the way that they're written. And that includes the foam rolling and the strength and the stretching or whatever your special sauce happens to be. As such, also, you know, the flip side, the the athlete being very realistic about how much time they can devote to training because, That's the other thing that we like to do, and this is all runners, but you know, we like to overachieve, right? And so if you tell me that I have to go run 60 minutes, Monday through Friday, and then do a long run on Saturday and then go swim on Sunday or something like that, I'm gonna do my best to get that in at the expense of maybe other self care, of sleep, of nutrition. For the most part, most of us want running to be a stress relief, not a stress creator, right? And if it creates stress, then you're going down the wrong path.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Um, you know, even if you're trying to qualify for Boston or run your first ultra marathon, and you have some crazy goal. You know, there's going to be a certain amount of stress, but at the same time, you don't want to be so stressed out from your training that it actually becomes counterproductive. Yeah. And I think that scheduling issue is is true for everyone, but now I'm starting to see that it's it's a lot worse for uh, for some women and particularly for moms or, you know, dads who stay home maybe it's very time demanding. I'm certainly seeing that.
1: Yeah. And having a sick kid or having, you know, a snow day, um, those, those, they throw you off, you know, it doesn't sound like that big of a deal. Oh, you just have a day at home. And then you're like, oh, you know, it it affects you (laughs) more than more than most people will admit. Um, You know, the, the PS of this, you know, and having worked with a one on one coach for, a bunch of different um, events in my life. You know, it was really, really helpful to me to have my schedule for the next week up by like Friday, asking in advance, like maybe Tuesday, you know, what what, what do you see coming up next week? Um, And so that I can look at it on Friday or Saturday, we can make any tweaks if need be. And then usually on Sunday night, I would sit down with the calendar and my husband and say, this is what I need to get done this week. And we would kind of, you know, put the puzzle together between he and I. But it's helpful not to have, you know, workouts thrown at you, especially bigger workouts or workouts that require a lot of mental preparation on the Sunday of the week before. That's my own personal opinion. But most of us are like to be planners.
0: Yeah, I think c- certainly runners who like to have a training plan and really yeah. plan, you know, <laughs> 16 20 weeks out of a daily running schedule that's for sure. Yep. Now, Dimity, when you look at kind of the entire running scene, um are there any things that are big pet peeves for for women about running or racing or anything like that that men don't know about?
1: <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a that's a big question. Well, I've heard it a couple times that you know, it's not fair that the porta potty lines are, you know, all women because men can like get, you know, half a half mile into a race and quickly duck behind a tree and come back out. But that's um that's a different <laughs> uh, situation. But you know, I don't think so. I mean, I think really what's happened in the running sphere is that people are running for different reasons. And as long as you are clear on that reason, then races can be very fun, right? So if you wanna, you know, if you're going out to run as fast as you can, I mean you're at the front of the pack great you know like go have at it um the middle and the back of the pack i find tend to have be people that are running for different reasons and as long as those they're not criticized or poo-pooed or diminished in any way i think it's all good and and i think runners are some of the most inclusive generous compassionate people going so i don't know i mean have you seen any men behaving badly
0: no, I, I don't think so. Not in any kind of systemic way. I mean, there's yeah. always going to be a bad apple here or there doing something inappropriate. or and, and I don't think that's specific to running. I think you're going to find people acting inappropriately on a city street somewhere or on a crowded race course or in the race itself. You know, it's going to be everywhere. Uh, but I, I haven't seen anything too egregious or anything like that. So it sounds like what I'm hearing is that You know the running scene, the running industry is fairly inclusive. It's approachable for women. That's a good thing, I think, in my mind. And uh, it's—I was going to ask you about that, but it sounds like what you're saying is that it's—it's we're there, where we've kind of reached this.
1: That's been my experience. I'm a experimental one, but I think you know, for the most part, I mean, I definitely feel like maybe um, women who don't unquote don't think of themselves as runners, right? There's a there's a big group of them, and. Sometimes I think they feel intimidated by the scene, but I think that's more of their own um, mentality than the actual reality, right? Because everybody, you know, most endurance athletes, you know, we're really good at um, navel gazing, (laughs) being really involved with our own self, right? Especially right before a race. I mean, I remember being at like a triathlon for myself and I was feeling very intimidated and, you know, it was in Boulder and it was very, you know everybody with a $10,000 bikes and super lean bodies and all this stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, I do not belong here. And then I realized like, no one cares what I'm doing. You know, they're all like getting their equipment ready and warming up and making sure that they're going to have their best race. And so I think, you know, sometimes I think we think people pay attention to us more than they really do. Um, And that's understandable of course, but I think in the running scene, we're all going the same distance. I mean, if anything, I mean, I remember reading, uh, it was a while ago, a couple of years ago, but Ryan Hall talking about New York city marathoners that are out there for six, seven, eight, nine plus hours. And he's like, I have so much respect for them. I mean, yes, it hurts for me to run as fast as I do, but I'm done, you know, in less than two and a half hours, you know, like that's, you know, I'm done. That's, that's a small portion of my day. They're out there for half the day. And, um, and I think that that mentality really, Breeds through all of all the running races. It's not just Ryan Hall thinking that way.
0: Yeah. And I can personally say that uh, even runners who are nowhere near the caliber of Ryan Hall, you know, I've run a 239 marathon. A lot of runners will say that that's pedestrian. Some runners might think that it's really fast. But regardless, I think it's really impressive to run a six hour marathon because that is more than double the suffering that I had to deal with. Exactly. And I have a friend who's who's even faster than I am. He's very fast. He's a 2:25 marathoner and he just doesn't you know he has friends at work who say i can't imagine running a 225 marathon and he's his response is always i can't imagine running a five and a half hour marathon that's a long time to be on your feet it's really funny to hear you talk about you know people not really paying attention to you at races because that's completely true no one, everyone is kind of uh dealing with their own fears and anxieties and insecurities before a race although i will say before the first triathlon that i ever did I was, you know, kind of hanging up the starting uh, before the before the start. And I was kind of nervous. It was my first try. I uh, sink like a rock in the water. I'm a terrible swimmer. And some guy came up to me and he said, Hey, man, you look really fast. What are you trying to do today? And I was just like, incredulous, because I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm like, scared to compete in this triathlon. I've never done it before. I'm a horrible swimmer. And some Person came up to me and said that I looked fast, and for me that gave me a little confidence boost. But it also kind of shows that, you know, if you're worried about what other people think of you, those people might think positive things about you too.
1: Exactly, exactly. You never know. I mean, it's funny. Just another quick story that kind of illustrates this. Um, So, um, Troy Jacobson, have you ever heard of him, Jason?
0: I don't think I have.
1: He's a he's a triathlon coach. I mean, um, a couple years ago, probably more than a couple years ago, probably at least a decade ago, I went to his triathlon camp in, um, in Tucson, Arizona. And I was not, I had just had, uh, could I have my second kid? I think so. These are people that are training for Ironmans, right? And I was writing about it. I was going to write about it. I was just not really <laughs> quite the, the caliber of athlete to be there. And um, and I was there for seven days, which is a very long time to be swim, bike, running when you're you know, not ready to do that for that long. And I remember the last day, let's say it was a 70-mile ride, and it was this long-ass hill that I was just like, I just do not have it in me to get up this on my bike. You know, I was the last cyclist. Um, and Troy was in the sag and, you know, driving the van behind me, you know, and I'm huffing and puffing and grinding up this hill and he pulls over and he goes, hey, Dimity, you need anything? And I'm like, yeah, I need to ride up this hill, Troy. <laughs> and, um, so we throw my bike in the back and I get in the passenger seat and I just start crying because I just feel like, you know, I'm so much lower than these everyone else out here who's like going to do the Ironman and training really fast and, you know, have all these splits and data that I'm just like. I'm not in that world at all, just because of where I am in my life. And uh, he was like, Dimity, all people care about is if you're like fun to hang out with after the race, right? Like, and that, that just sticks with me. Like, they want to hang out with you after they want to hear your race story. They want you to to achieve your goal. They're not caring, you know, if you didn't run a six minute mile or kill that swim on the triathlon or whatever. They, they just want to like, hang out. I mean, that's the best part of a race, right? Hang out, maybe having a beer and laughing about it and kind of recounting it with each other. And that just really made me realize again, like what we were talking about earlier, just that, you know, everybody's kind of so in their own world that people don't notice. They just want you to be a good person. And most runners are.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I've certainly uh, found that out too. And that just reminds me of, you know, when I ran in college, whether it was track or cross country, it never mattered how fast or how slow you were. It's not like, the fast runners hung out together and the slow runners hung out together. It was more about, well, are you just a fun person to be around? Are you, you're more likely to be in the in crowd the faster your PR was. It just doesn't work like that. No,
1: it doesn't. And it doesn't work like that in in adult races either. I mean, you know, your personality comes through and, and if you get on the course and you're like, oh, I love this or scream it out loud or whatever, you're going to like, you know, make some friends or whatever. There's a lot of ways to influence people that make their race better that, isn't necessarily about the time on the clock.
0: Absolutely. One thing I'll note here is that I've been to one running camp and one fitness camp, and uh, I was an instructor at both. And what I'll say is there are a lot of people who go alone And all of them leave with friends. And they all say that it was an amazing experience. If anyone listening has the opportunity to go to uh, a running camp, just to really just spend a long weekend immersed in the sport of running, to really geek out on the training, the camaraderie, the new friends that you're going to make, all the different ideas that you're going to exchange there. If you have that opportunity, take it because you're going to remember it for a really long time. You
1: know, running... You, you make friends so easily. Literally, you go for one three or four mile run and all of a sudden you've disclosed things with them that you haven't talked to about your spouse, right? Because you're in rhythm, you're in motion, your eyes are on the road or the trail, like there isn't like this intensity that there can be when you're looking at each other in the eyes. And, and that just breeds this intimacy that is, is just awesome. I mean, it's part of my favorite parts of running is just the friendships that come out of it.
0: Well, that's probably a good time to start wrapping up. I just have a couple of quick questions for you before we take off. Just a couple quick questions, but the answers don't need to be quick. Uh, do you think <laughs> there are any some really good books for women runners? Now, of course, there's Run Like a Mother and Train Like a Mother.
1: Yeah, and there's Tales from Another Mother Runner. It's a trilogy, Jason. You know, oh, we it's just a have trilogy. To sell, of
0: course, of course. We have
1: to sell, you know, just eight hundred million more, and we'll be right up there with you know Fifty Shades of Grey. So <laughs> there you go. Um, but yeah, Tales from Another Mother Runner is fun because it's uh, a bunch of different essays from a, a variety of writers. Like, um, I think it's 22 different women writing, so it's a bunch of you know, it's not just Sarah and I um, going back and forth. Um, women. I mean, I love Marathon Woman by Katherine Switzer. I've read that book probably three times. She's such a great storyteller. I mean, you know, she has she used to do broadcasts, and I just I love. All the details, like you know, she used to run in a leotard. It's but
0: <laughs> really? stuff like I didn't know that.
1: Totally cracks me up. Yeah, I mean, back in the day, when she was layering for winter runs, she'd wear a leotard. So that's one I'm looking at my bookcase right now. Women's um, specific, and I like mile markers a lot by Kristen Armstrong. Again, it's more about the emotional side of running than necessarily the training. I think Jay, and I can't say his last name right, Dicharry, D-I-C-H-A-R-R-Y. He's got a new book out. Um, it just came out. It's published by um, Velo Press now. I think he is very smart about um, function and how the body should work together, all the, all the muscles, ligaments, tendons, everything. And his exercises and his perspective, I think, are very helpful if you sit down and, and um, spend some time with that and then follow through and do the exercises.
0: So. I'll definitely echo that for Jay. He's, he's a, a really big thought leader in the space. And for anyone who struggles with injury or wants to get stronger, the Anatomy for Runners book is really good. And I'll look up the second book that he put. we yeah. will put that in the notes here. So when's your next race? I know you mentioned you're dealing with some injuries now. Are you yeah. doing any of the big uh, Colorado races this spring?
1: um no (laughs) i am not i I tend not to like to race in colorado because i like the oxygen at sea level you know when i have that opportunity even not even sea level but just to go down a little bit um so yeah i did have i kind of had a year of transformation last year and i realized that probably my my road running days are done Um, but that's okay because i really i enjoy triathlons um you know i've been a lot of different things in my life and I like cycling and swimming a lot. So I am going to, um, first of all, hike the grand Canyon, do my own rim to rim um, in May with a friend who who's uh, for her birthday. So we're going to not run it, but we're going to do it in a day. So that's like 20, I think it's 23.6 miles. So that should be good. Spending a lot of time on the Steermaster for that. And then uh, in August, a friend of mine here in Colorado who's an ultra runner, and I are going to do this race in um, Maine. Have you heard of the swim run phenomenon, Jason?
0: I haven't. What's that?
1: Well, the phenomenon might be a little. <laughs> it's just, it started in, in Europe. It's called the OTO, which is O-T-I-L-L-O. And Rich Roll, who a lot of people listen to his podcast, he did it, I think, in Sweden. He did a longer version of what we're going to do. But basically, you run, um, you swim between, so you do it in a, in a place where there's islands, um, and you swim between the islands and then you get out and run across the island and then swim, run, swim, run back to the starting point. It's going to be really fun. I mean, so you carry all your gear with you. You swim in your tennis shoes. Um, you know, they, I'm not entirely sure what gear we need exactly. I know we need some pretty porous shoes. Um, so it's a little bit more of a hike slash brisk walk. You know, I mean, you're on sand and trails and stuff. It's not, it's not a paved road on the islands necessarily and you have to stay with each other. And that's why, so that's really fun. So it's a partner race. So that's kind of, that'll be really fun to do with, with my friend Katie. So that's in August, uh, outside of Portland, Maine is the one that we're doing, but they're coming to, they just announced one in Boston. I think they're going to do one in Seattle. It's, it's kind of a fun if you'd like to swim.
0: Yeah. I'm, like I said, I, I'm a, I'm a big sinker rather than yeah. swimmer. <laughs> well,
1: I you know that's the thing. And then Katie's, well, Katie's a good swimmer too. I mean, she's a really good runner too, but Yeah, I'm excited for that because it feels like, you know, who cares where we finish? Like, it's just going to be a fun day, you know, to go swim in the ocean. And it has a little bit of survivor feel to it, about as much of a survivor feel as I want to go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. One of the things I just love about running is that it enables you to do so many other cool things. So if you want to go hike the Grand Canyon and it's 23.6 miles, And you're a sedentary person, that's really challenging. But if you've run a bunch of marathons, well, you know, you can envision how that's very doable. And uh, that's what I love about running. It just sets you up to have more interesting experiences in your life.
1: Absolutely. And it gives you a sense of adventure. Like, it gives you a a confidence that, I mean, physically it sets you up, but mentally it also sets you up. Because, you know, a lot of people, like, I ran a marathon, I can do anything, you know? And I think that mentality carries through so many things in life not necessarily just physical you know adventures
0: yeah i do think it, it fosters more of a growth mindset people think Absolutely. that oh you know i'm not ready to do a marathon now but i can grow into the type of person that is ready to do a marathon Absolutely. so dimity one last question for you now that yeah. i know you live in denver when are we yeah. going for a run <laughs> <laughs> well
1: um uh, we can go on a trail run would you like to trail run jason
0: oh i prefer it
1: oh do you where do you like to go
0: Oh, I'll go up to Boulder. I'll do, uh, you know, the Mesa Trail up to the top of Green Mountain. I'll go Mm -hmm. up into, let's see, where are some of my favorite routes? Uh, I love Golden Gate Canyon State Park. I'll go up there. You can basically run forever without ever repeating a trail there. And uh, I'll occasionally go up to Golden. I'll do North Table Mountain or something like that. But uh, I have a couple of my go-tos that that I, I like exploring.
1: That sounds good. I mean, yeah, let's, let's hit one. Uh, as long as you're (laughs) okay with me setting the pace, I think, I think we'll be all right.
0: Sounds good to me. All right, Dimity. Well, thanks so much for, for coming on and just sharing your thoughts and experiences and, uh, perspectives on all these issues that we talked about. I'm sorry if I fumbled through some of these questions. Clearly, uh, it's an area that I'm not really too well versed in, you know, women's issues and running. But that's why I wanted to talk with you. And thanks for shedding light on a lot of this. I think it was really helpful.
1: Oh, good. Thanks. I'm glad. It's all good stuff.
0: Perfect. My conversation with Dimity was one of the more difficult interviews I've ever done because of the topic. I don't know what good questions to ask, and it's certainly not my specific area of expertise. So thanks for bearing with me. I do hope that if I miss something or I got something terribly wrong, you'll let me know so I can hopefully correct it or do an encore interview with Dimity. Before you hit that pause button, don't forget that Team Strength Running is opening soon. We do this a few times per year, so it's not something that happens too frequently, and I don't want you to miss it. Go to strengthrunning.com TSR, sign up, and when there's more info available, I'll send it on over. You'll see exactly what the membership includes, how it works, and all the different resources we have waiting for you. All right, have a great week, and we'll talk soon.